Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this week on the podcast is going to be an interesting one. What we're doing here is I'm going to revisit a interview that I had with Vanessa Hurst, who is a mother of two, married, and is working part-time or volunteer basis, I should say, within a school-based committee that is that both plays a role in, in hiring newcoming or incoming individuals, but also pays attention to the curriculum rollout and the scheduling rollout that occurs within their district, in particular here with uh, within their middle school. And there are a few people who are on this committee. Again, I believe it's a volunteer basis. And uh, she has been battling the school district for quite some time, and rightfully so, because this school district, in my opinion, is 100% communistic. There is no doubt about it. Uh, Reading, writing, and arithmetic are the furthest thing from what they have on their minds. And I'm going to read through a few of her emails to me as of late, and then I'm going to briefly read through some of the documents that she has sent. And again, you can make up your own mind, but it's crystal clear that these people are not well, that this administration is not well. They are all. They are not just inbred and engaging in levels of nepotism that are very common, unfortunately, within K-12 school districts, but they are pushing through this communistic propaganda and this communistic rollout of control over everybody. I mean, ultimately, they would love to control every single parent, which is exactly what they're doing for those that are continuing to send their children there and are participating. But they certainly have a control level over their staff members and their and their and the children who are attending this school district. They are engaging in the mask wearing abuses to levels that you'll never hear on the mainstream media. The same is true with social distancing. And I'll give you one quick taste here before I get into the the actual documents of of what this particular uh, committee has uncovered and what the school district is pushing on the committee, but. They are now using the mask wearing among children as a punishment. So if some students break the rules of the school, fighting, whatever it may be, um, physical altercations, whatever it is, they're punishing the entire student population by telling them that they have to wear the mask longer than, than what they're actually supposed to. Now, First of all, everybody at this point should know my stance on the mask wearing. It shouldn't be happening at all, period. It never should have been happening. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't fix anything. It is a control method. It has always been a control method. And it's an abusive control method as well. And again, clearly highlighted in my most recent book, this is the largest abuse of children that has ever taken place on a nationwide scale among K-12 schools, without a doubt. And they don't seem to see that. They don't seem to think that they are abusing students or, even worse, they know that they are and they don't care, which should tell everybody, again, the frame of mind of some of these school districts and the people who work within. So this particular committee again, is, 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 is in charge of, and again, I'm, uh, she, she's going to be on the podcast here uh, on, on Thursday's episode where she can clear up the, the specifics, but the, the point of, 
of the committee itself is to, again, review sort of the district guidelines, so to speak, and basically be sort of a go-between or at least a, uh, oh, I don't know, a liaison to some extent with whatever new program shows up and what they seek to implement. And again, one of the things that they're doing with their rescheduling and their implementation of said curriculum is they're actually now spending more time in the school day teaching students or asking students how they think or how they feel about this, that, or the other, and working on these life projects, quote-unquote, instead of teaching them the core subjects of math, science, history, reading, and writing. Uh, They're spending two and a half hours on these life projects instead of spending, while they're spending the, the other two hours on the core subjects. So it's completely unbalanced. And that right there, again, should show everybody that they aren't interested in academic achievement. They're interested in trying to make these particular students feel a particular way. And you're going to hear that within the the verbiage here of their own documents. So I'm going to read this first email just to catch everybody up. She says, quote, Last I left off, my story with the SBDM, which is the committee, was introduced to the quote-unquote ecosystem for next year. The attached PDF is a form of a Google slide, is from a Google slide we had to work through in December. Teachers also had to go through this process, and so did select students. What got me was the quote at the beginning of this. We had to read over it and tell what stood out to us, what about the quote was impactful, etc., Then we went into discussion about building the future of our school around this concept. It was also the last meeting I was able to really debate anything I disagreed with. And here's the document. It's called Mustang Ecosystem Design. And then they refer to everybody as community members. So I want you to, again, pay attention to the word usage here. All of these words are communistic. They're all words that communists use, 100%. And the quote at the top says this, How will you measure your life? By Clayton Christensen. And it's this giant sort of three-paragraph quotation. And it reads like this, quote, The conclusion we reached was that going to school is not a job that children are trying to get done. It is something that a child might hire to do a job, isn't the job itself. That makes no sense. Um, It continues, the two fundamental jobs that children need to do are to feel successful and to have friends every day. Sure, they could hire school to get those jobs done. Some achieve success and friends in the classroom, the band, the math club, or the basketball team. But to feel successful and have friends, they could also drop out of school and join a gang, or buy a car and cruise the streets. Viewed from the perspective of jobs, it becomes very clear that schools don't often do these jobs as well at all. In fact, all too often schools are structured to help most students feel like failures. We have assumed going in this is so poorly written. The, the, if, if this Clayton Christensen wrote this, they can't write. Or I can't read, one of the two. But I think they can't write. 
Uh, let's see. We had assumed going in that those who succeed at school do so because they are motivated, but we concluded that all students are similarly motivated to succeed. The problem is only a fraction of students feel successful through school. Keep that word feel in mind as I continue to read here. It says, quote, Indeed, we learned that just as the fast food restaurant had been improving the milkshake on dimensions of improvement irrelevant to the jobs that customers were trying to do, our schools were improving themselves on dimensions of improvement irrelevant to the job that students are trying to do. There is no way that we can motivate children to work harder in class by convincing them that they should do this. Rather, we need to offer children experiences in school that help them do these jobs to feel successful and to do it with friends. Schools that have designed their curriculum so that students feel success every day sees rates of dropping out and absenteeism fall to nearly zero. Okay, unquote. First of all, when I first read this, I couldn't help think of John Dewey. John Dewey was a humanist, Marxist, communist, you name it. And he was considered and is considered sort of the father of modern American education. He was a horrible human being. He wanted to treat children like they were farm animals, just like Edward Thorndike wanted to. That was the point. Abuse them if you have to. Have them have experiences. Have them feel things. And then develop your curriculum around what children want. I hate to break it to everybody, but children shouldn't be deciding anything at all. And, and based on the way that these administrators are, are allowing this to happen and forcing this within their school district should show everybody that they don't care about the development of your child from an academic standpoint or an intellectual standpoint. What they want to do here is they want to ask them constantly about their feelings and basically create the very divide between parents and students that you heard in a previous episode where I highlighted that Ohio School District board meeting where the parents were screaming at the school board members and saying, you now have for the very first time in our entire area students arguing with their own parents about being racists. The divide exists right here. It exists with these very school districts that are doing this very thing. They're seeking them, they're seeking to divide students with their teachers and divide them with their own family members. Now, this next slide on this very same PDF says that the quote, How will you measure your life? And then there are four boxes, three boxes rather. And it says, what implications does this have on our work? Question mark. What resonates with you? Question mark. And then the big third box on the bottom, which takes up half of the entire thing, uh, says, how do you view success? How do you know when you are successful? This is so stupid and so intellectually insulting that I'm, I, I'm not sure I have the words, but I'm certainly going to continue because this is beyond dumb. And this right here is exactly why schools fail. Now, like in the quote, they can say, we have dropped, uh, the rates of dropping out and absenteeism fall to nearly zero. They can say that all they want, but it's a lie. It's a lie. None of it is true. 
This next slide says ecosystem design. What is the purpose of school? If you're asking as an administration what the purpose of school is, then you're not a school and you're not an administrator. If you're consistently questioning or redesigning or reinventing the wheel, you are the problem. You are the problem. This first box, this is busted up into fourths. The first box says, what is the purpose of school? Again, if you don't know the answer to that already and you have to create a box where people have to write into it, you're an idiot. Number two, it says, what assumptions drive the purpose? The third box says, what does student success look like? And the fourth box says, how might students feel successful? Because again, they're not interested in actual research that has already been proven and already exists for over a century on how to accurately identify and assess students to be successful. They, if they don't know it, then they're telling you with this paperwork that they don't know what they're doing. And then the next slide says, and it's got all five days of the week, and it says step one, and it's, I assume, their mascot. Uh, reflects on the, reflect on the week. Record how students typically spend their days in your class. So this must be for teachers. For example, working with peers, reading time, passion projects. That's what it's called. My apologies. They're called passion projects. That's what they're spending two and a half hours out of the day doing with students on a day-in and day-out basis while they're spending two hours actually learning the core subjects. Uh, it continues science lab, listening to teacher lecture, Care Connect, etc. Whatever Care Connect means. This is, this is awful. This is awful. This school will fail academically at a rate that I can't even measure. It will be below zero, and that's not even possible. Um, again, what is the purpose of the school? And then priorities. And this is here you go. Here's their priorities chart, which is the probably the most embarrassing. It has three things at the top, and it says literacy, care, and purpose. So care and purpose are two out of the three, but literacy is one-third of apparently of their priorities. So, uh, I want you to drink that in. Literacy is one-third of this school district's priorities. Literacy is a third. It should be a hundred percent. Not one-third, a hundred percent. Care and purpose, that's not up to government. That's up to the individual family. That's up to the individual family. And then again, I've seen this picture before, but it's NHS community-centered ecosystem. Uniting people, place, and purpose. This is all propaganda. All of this is just communistic propaganda. And it's a wheel, or a circle, so to speak, with sort of inner circles and then a triangle, excavating gifts. Uh, and then it says, Mustang Matters Stables whatever that means, literacy experiences. That's the other word that I want you to focus in on, the word experiences. When you hear that word experiences, experience, 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 that's John Dewey also. That's over 100 years old of communistic vernacular that we need to have experiences. 
with everything. And that we need to reflect on those experiences and we need to feel and we need to uh, sit, sit around and sing kumbaya and feel and experience. No, no. You need to read, write, add, subtract, multiply, and divide. And critically think and then apply the scientific method to everything, every subject, everything. And teach children how to question particular things by using the scientific method. That's all schools have to do. It's not that hard. But they make it hard, and then they piss off everybody in the process by doing these things. And then it continues here with their gift projects, which I'm going to, again, have Vanessa specifically describe in detail later this week. And then student organizations place people purpose. School in This school district is turning its district and its schools into things that are not schools anymore. And they're trying to completely redesign what they define as what a school actually is. But I assure you, this is not a school. This just is not a school. This is a commune. It's 100% a commune. The only thing that they don't have is poisoned Dixie cups filled with poisoned lemonade or poisoned fruit punch or whatever. That's the only thing that they don't have here. So instead of poisoning them with fruit punch and how everybody needs to drink from the same fruit punch bowl, they poison them other ways. The mask wearing, the social distancing, the abuse, and then completely redefining what they think a school is in someone else's broken mind. And that's what's going on here. So what I'm going to describe next is Vanessa went to their board meeting, their school board meeting, and I want to read this to you very quickly because it's a very unique way in which you can participate in school board meetings, and they limit the amount of public time that you're allowed to talk, which again, commune, but they, you, there are some workarounds, and I just want to read this email to you, and then I want to get into one of the, uh, a couple of the documents that, that she provided me, and one of them is exactly what she said apparently in this board meeting, and I'm going to read it to you also. Um, she, she writes, quote, after the December SBDM meeting and learning that one of the veteran teachers in the middle school quit and went to a neighboring district, I decided to speak at the next board meeting, which was on December 17th. The veteran teacher felt bullied and taking a stand against the changes being made. She even went so far as to giving up her planning period to extend time in math class as SBDM we had to approve the schedule change, but we were given a different story, that it was more to do with the art class she was also teaching. So regarding the board meeting, she says, quote, In order to speak five minutes at the meeting, I had to represent a group, quote unquote, so I gathered 60 signatures on change.org. Uh, otherwise, I would have only had three minutes to speak. I made a packet to hand out the board members that included actual screenshots of schedules made for the sampling of classrooms. Uh, these I obtained from a teacher at our school. I also handed the packet to the local newspaper, as well as email digital copies of everything. I had contacted them prior to the board meeting, but they never responded. The paper did not cover it a week later, buried inside the paper. 
The paper did cover it a week later, rather, and they buried it inside the paper. Coverage was less than comprehensive for the amount of info and evidence I gave them. Um, okay, so here's the packet with the screenshots. First of all, the thing that this school district was doing is they were taking pictures of students with their faces and their names, and they were putting them out on the internet without any permission whatsoever from the parents. On Google, I might add. And we know what Google does with people's personal information. So here you have all of these children's faces on the internet. Their faces are not blurred, their names are all there, and they're all holding up signs that say, first day of kindergarten 2021. Uh, this right here alone is a fireable offense for any administrator. You can't do that. You cannot put minors' faces without permission on the internet. It doesn't matter if it's associated with your district or not. You, you can't do it. You just can't. Um, and then they have a fifth grade class where they're all... Sh <laughs> this is just... God, this is awful. This is awful. Uh, you're, yeah, it's just child abuse. You're watching child abuse straight up. There's no way around it. They're all wearing masks now in this particular photograph. Um, they're all holding up signs saying who they are. It's just awful. Okay. And then, it, and then it says, it shows the actual schedule. So this is first grade. And it says from 7.30 to 8, they have morning duty, whatever that means. Uh, from 8 to 8.30, Mustang matters, whatever that means. From 8.30 to 8.35, room sanitizing. From 8.35 to 9.55, literacy experiences. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know what that is. At, at this point, I don't even know what that is. 9.55 to 10.45, they have a section called specials, whatever the hell that means. From 10.45 to 11, core experiences. Oh my God. Okay, so for approximately 15 minutes before lunch, they have core experiences. I'm assuming this is teaching the core subjects. And then they have lunch for 25 minutes from 11 to 11.25. And then from 11.25 to 12.05, more core experiences. So 15 minutes on top of 30 minutes, 45 minutes. That's 45 minutes in first grade for core experiences in an entire day. And then from 12.05 to 12.10, more room sanitizing. And then from 12.10 to 1.30, you have gift projects. And then from 1.30 to 2.15, you have recess. They spend as much time on core subjects as they do recess, among all the other time-wasting activities that are taking place here. This is nuts. And then from 2.15 to 3.15, more gift projects. So core experiences are 45 minutes long, and gift projects total 2 hours and 20 minutes. This is absolutely insane. In another class, it looks like you have 
one hour of core experiences and one hour and 45 minutes of what they're calling gift projects. In another class, you have two hours and 15 minutes of gift projects and passion courses, and the other two hours are on content core courses. This, this is nuts. At the middle school, you have 36 minutes of math, 36 minutes of ELA, English Language Arts, 36 minutes of AG, don't know what that means, uh, 37 minutes of Science Social Studies, which totals 2 hours and 41 minutes of core content time, and 2 hours and 30 minutes for gift projects and passion courses. Now here are the comments that Vanessa made at the December 15th Nelson County School Board meeting. So that's where this is all located, Nelson County, Kentucky. Okay, quote, members of the school board, superintendent. Picture yourself thousands of feet in the air when you look down to see a patchwork of farms and tiny houses dotting the countryside. You are sitting in a row of seats. Before, is the co before you is the cockpit. Beside you is the aisle. You look up and find there is a partial ceiling. Bright sunlight and blue are showing. Your concern starts to grow at this point. You look out an opening where there should be a window and, you, and, what, and see a crew assembling the wings. Your plane is incomplete. Now it sinks in. You are not flying, you are falling. And seated around you are children and teachers. Remember this picture. I am here today to express my concern about some of the changes being made in the district and the potential negative impact on children within our schools. First, I'd like to address the amount of time on gift projects and passion projects versus core content time. The concept of gift projects and passion projects is rooted in project-based learning, which can be effective if implemented correctly. However, students also need a base of knowledge to work from, which is simply underdeveloped in elementary grades. This year, our school's administration team has planned class schedules and give the schedules to teachers to follow. In prior years, individual class schedules were made by teachers themselves. Because of this, and little support for teachers unfamiliar with project-based learning, I'm seeing my son's class spend 45 minutes on core content. That's 45 minutes total to squeeze in reading, writing, and math, while the time allotted for gift and passion projects is 2 hours and 20 minutes. Not nearly enough time is given to master literacy, phonics, and basic math for their respective grade level. In a year when so many kids are falling behind from the effects of the pandemic, why are we pushing something that isn't helping them master the core content they need and is required by Kentucky law? Bravo. Bravo. It continues, quote, furthermore, the role of public school is to teach core subjects and equip students with the knowledge and skills they need to be functioning members of society, not to make students feel successful. I agree. Not to make students feel successful. She's absolutely right. Continues, quote, my children's personal interests and purpose are my responsibility as their parent, not the responsibility of the public school system. My second concern is the use of personally identifying information of students online in the Project Backpack program. I am disappointed in the lack of consideration on the part of this district at the amount of publicly available information for our children. Sure, I can opt out if I am uncomfortable with it, but 
but that just co but that covers just my kids. What about all the parents out there who might be a little cautious like myself and care for their children's interests, safety, and security? It is not unreasonable to ask that the district protect our children. We, ent we entrust our schools with the education and safety of our kids, and I feel this district has little regard for the consequences of their initiatives and actions. Now I ask you to recall the images of the incomplete plane I described in the beginning. District leadership has referred to what they are doing as, quote, building the plane as it is flying. <laughs> That's incredible. Quote, there are two types of people in this world, precautionary and reactionary. Precautionary people build from a blueprint on the ground and do a test flight before they allow people to board and take off. Reactionary people try to build in the air, then wonder what went wrong when the plane crashes. I know what type of person I am. Members of the board, it is time you ask yourselves which type are you. Unquote. It's very well said. Very well said. And again, unfortunately, school boards laugh at parents. They laugh at them. They'll laugh at them behind their backs. School boards don't care about parents. They don't care about you. They just don't. And they don't care about students either. They care about control. That's what the entire position is all about. The entire position is about control. This ne next document here that Vanessa highlights, she has bullet points here, and it says, Concerns for the Nelson County Board of Education to Consider. The first bullet point. Why is so much instruction time dedicated to gift projects and passion project courses? The disproportionate amount of core content time versus gift project and passion project time, especially at the elementary school level, is very concerning. See attached schedules. So she gave all of this to the board members. The fact that the board members wouldn't know that this is going on seems a bit strange. I'm sure they know what's going on. They're, they're well aware. And they're, they're uh, willful participants in this entire process here. The second one says, how will project-based learning and deep learning be quantified? How do you know children are progressing? What measures are being used to track progress? This is an excellent question. What rubrics are being used? And the fact is, is they have none. It's all based on feelings. The third bullet point, why does leadership ignore parent and teacher concerns regarding core content that students need at the most basic levels? Excellent question. Fourth point, why is there no plan for learning new structure for new learning structures? If there is, why hasn't it been shared with parents or the public? Leadership has pushed project-based learning with little to no clear guidance for teachers as to how they are supposed to integrate it into their class. This seems to be at the core of many issues this year. Next bullet point, why is there poor communication on the part of district leadership and school leaders regarding restructuring of learning, school plans, in week-to-week -week decisions about in-person hybrid, alternate, and virtual school schedules. Next bullet point. Well, the reason for that is simple. The administration doesn't even know what the hell they're doing. And when they don't know what the hell they're doing, they can't communicate what they're doing because they don't know what the hell they're doing. And that continues to really be the bigger issue, no doubt about it. Uh, next. Quote, what really is the role of public schools? To educate children? Is it truly the place of public schools to provide children with purpose? Is the role of public schools to make students feel successful? Or is it to provide them with the tools and knowledge to succeed? 
Last bullet point. Why is so much student information public? Consider the amount of personally identifying information the district has made available on the school Google sites. This information is available to anyone with a Google account. See attached screenshots. There are serious safety issues surrounding the availability of this information and potential risk for harm to students because of who potentially who could potentially access that information and what could be done with it. There may also be a neg there also may be negative repercussions of having students' work displayed on personal sites that are accessible to all district personnel or students within or students with a district login or email. Yes. Yes, all valid points. This school district is hands down awful. They're awful. Their administration is awful. The teachers that are going along with this have got to find their spines. They have to find their spines. They have to start pushing back and saying no. And the parents of this school district have got to start complaining and wake up from the matrix. It's that simple. The matrix has, has it, it's real and it's caused people to completely fall asleep and just send their kids to government and then let government raise them. What you're going to end up with regarding this school district is a lack of literacy among the student population that you cannot measure. You're not going to be able to measure the, the amount of ignorance that is going to exist. When you just have students engaging in projects and feeling and reflecting, they aren't learning. They aren't learning content that's going to make them successful as they continue to age. But people have to understand this final point before I end this episode. Dumbing down the American populace is exactly what the communists want. That's the point. You start, with, you start them while they're young, and then they get older and older, and they interact with people who are equally as stupid. Because you can control a dumb population. They're easily controlled. Look what's happening right here. Vanessa Hurst is not stupid. This is a very smart woman. She's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the school district about the abuse of these children and what's actually happening within the school district from a content standpoint and the time-wasting and the communism and all of it. More parents need to do this. And then they need to pull their children out of this school district in droves. Do it just a few, a few students at a time with a few parents and then get loud about it. And before you know it, there won't be any students in that school anymore. And then they're going to start firing their own. They're going to start with administration and start firing them. And then they're going to go right down the line. The next move to make, in my humble opinion, is you have to vote out these school board members. Because it's the school board members that can control the curriculum. It's the school board members that can control the content. And if those school board members aren't parents that recognize that this is a horrible idea, all these passion projects and all this garbage that's taking place, it's game over for that entire district. If you don't replace the school board members every single time that a new election comes up and make sure that the right people are counting those votes, this school district will crumble under the weight of their own fallacy and their own lies. That's just the way that it is. So this entire school district is an absolute commune. They would rather just have students gathering, separating, wearing the mask, and then using the mask as punishment. I'm going to mention the mask punishment in, an, in, uh, in a later episode, which will air on Wednesday. So please give that a listen. And again, Thursday's episode, we'll be talking with uh, 
I will be talking with Vanessa Hurst personally, and, and she'll be running through some of this information, and I'm sure a whole lot more. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.